listening to the Abide Podcast. To find out more about Abide, go to AbideChurchFL.com and enjoy today's message. Well, good morning. How are you guys doing? I know you all saw the post this week. Are you alive? Our media team is just raw and just gross and just rude. They made a shirt with me on it that asked, are you alive? I was like, wow. I'm, at, I'm sincerely asking the question this morning because I, I really feel like, as Pastor Tyler was saying, that we're in a window in a time, and it's not hyperbolic. It's not hyperbole. Like, we're not just exaggerating. Just to give context, when we launch in on this fast on May 7th, there's going to be around 5 million people fasting together. I just want to broaden our, like, get our eyes up. It's not just the abide community. Like, there is a global narrative happening right now. Yeah, but look, those are all the ways you can give for those that don't know. There is a global narrative happening right now on the earth, and we want to be a part of that, right? Amen? Amen. We want to be a part of what the Lord is doing, not just in Brandon or in our families, but on the earth. Because how many of you know God is on the move? Hello, God is on the move. If you didn't know, now you know. If you don't know, now you know. There's a good rap song about that. Seriously, God is on the move. And for those of us, the temptation, like, what we have to overcome is to be awakened to what God is doing on the earth. To not be lulled asleep by the discouragement, that's what I want to talk about today, but to be awakened to the realities of what God is doing on the earth. How many of you know if God's doing it on the earth, He wants to start with you? Say me. Listen, when God does something on the earth, He doesn't just make it happen. He does it through a people. If he wanted to do it, he wouldn't have never created Adam and Eve. He created Adam and Eve and he put divine destiny in them. Right? He said, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth. He uses a people to accomplish a purpose. And I feel like we're there now. We are in a season where God is calling a people according to a purpose that is probably greater than we can think, ask, or imagine. So let me just say this. You may have just stumbled in here. You have no idea what in the world is going on like, bro, it's an hour and a half in and you just started. I just, I want to make us aware that God is doing something. It's the reason that about 58 minutes in, we just stopped. Because at the core of what we are as Christians and disciples, it's all about Jesus. If we gather around a message, the Bible is clear. The letter of the law kills, but the spirit gives life. Meaning if we camp around a message, we get law. We get death. Doesn't mean we're not Bible. We're about to read through all of Psalms 95. You could open it up. We're about to read the whole thing. But what it means is when the presence of the person enters into the room, we stop, we acknowledge, and we receive. We do all of those things, right, guys? Like, that's what we do. The whole point is a person. And so I just, I want to recenter us into that today. And as we've been saying, we're asking that God would divinely interrupt us. In the midst of our flow and all that's happening in life as normal, all of the things, some even good things, we're asking, Lord, would you interrupt our normal? Like our natural with your supernatural. Like would you come in power into our families, into our marriages, into our ministries? Are you awake? I'm asking the Lord for that. Like I, I just have such a conviction as we're heading into this time that we would be ready and prepared. To enter in with fullness of heart. Last week we talked about fasting. And for me, these two weeks are all about what can we do to help you engage with all of your heart and what God has. 
So we answer the question, why do we fast? What's the purpose of fasting? Why would we step into a moment of fasting? And what does it mean for us as a community? And then I begin to ask the Lord, okay, Lord, as, as they step into this season, what would be probably the one or two things that would stop them from engaging with a full heart? And the Lord started to speak to me about discouragement and disappointment. About Monday night, as I was going to sleep, the Lord began to speak to me about people who are discouraged and disappointed on their pilgrimage with God. Whether you know it or not, you are on a journey and in a process. You're not just floating about life in blah land and things don't just happen. Your life is a part of a bigger narrative and your narrative matters. You need to hear that. God cares about your story. Your stories are not insignificant. It is not um, disinteresting to God. God cares about your story. But the bigger thing I want to invite you into is God's story. Because when you make your story all about you, how many of you know God is trying to deliver the church of the idol of me? The songs about me, the church about me, the sermon about me, and me, 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 which has left us with what? A lot of activity and noise, but no power. No breakthrough, no breaking of yoke, no healthy marriages, no vibrancy for the things that matter. We're left searching and searching and searching with a hole that can never be filled but with God. And so we have rooms of people that sing songs, scream songs, shout hallelujah, amen, jump, shout, all of it, but yet they're discouraged at heart. Like when you really sit down at the table with the coffee and you're, you're talking about life, you could feel the discouragement because they begin to ask questions like, does God really care? Like, is God really interested? Like, I know, I, I felt like God spoke things to me, but I, the situation that I'm in right now makes no sense in accordance to what God has said. How many of you have been there? Yeah, yeah. Two of you, praise God. Usually it's three. But if God is speaking to us pertaining the area of discouragement, I believe it's because he wants to give us hope. He wants to give us joy. And he wants to assert in us that he has plans for our future. It's not just a cute bumper sticker. It's the reality of a kingdom people that we serve a God, not only that is God, but he is good. And he speaks and then he gives us the grace and the ability to perform that which he has spoken. So for just a moment, I want to speak about discouragement. I want to define it and be very clear. Discouragement is defined as this, the state of having lost confidence, enthusiasm, or hope for something. You insert something, but it's as if all of those things which were pushing you forward in confidence and in hope now, they don't have the same vibrancy. Like the songs you used to sing don't have the same umph. The scriptures you used to read and believe, they don't, they don't have the same ah. Uh. And so you get to this place of discouragement, but discouragement, how many of you know, does not start with discouragement. Discouragement starts with disappointment. Discouragement in seed form is disappointment. Now, disappointment can be categorized in many different ways, but I just want to read a few. It can look like sadness, regret, sorrow, heavy-heartedness, distress, discontentment, dissatisfaction, disillusionment. I just want to say, before you ever hit discouragement at a heart level, you're going to face disappointment. You're going to go through life and you're going to have an idea of how life is supposed to play out in every sphere of your life. And at some point, if you haven't been there yet, you're going to hit a place where your experience and what you thought should have happened didn't happen the way you thought it should have played out. 
And what you do in that season, whether it's accusations towards God or accusations towards yourself, and the conclusions you come to within that period of time are pivotal. Because even over these next 21 days, I could preach all the messaging, we could have all the hoorah, all the rah-rah, but some point, maybe it's day nine or 10, you're gonna hit a moment where the question is gonna come, is this even worth it? Is anything even happening? And disappointment begins to set in your heart and you begin to disengage from the conversation. How many of you know what God wants is to keep an ongoing conversation with you? In John 15, he makes it really clear. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, what he's looking for is loving union with his sons and daughters. It's not about an assignment. It's not about God's purpose for your life. It's about God's purpose, which is found primarily in relationship with him. So if God, as you're walking, loses your heart, the question you have to answer is, what is the point? What is the point of the journey and the assignment and the going if in the midst of that, God loses your heart? And I have found that this is the primary assignment of the enemy. You think that the devil cares if you come in and out of this church every week? Come on. You think just because you sit in a chair week after week that, that the enemy is somehow threatened by that? Listen, you can sit in physical form but be spiritually disengaged and the enemy's okay with that. He's okay with you going through the motions, even being in the context of people who are reaching for God, but you sit there. God, if you want to do it, then you do it. No, man, that's not the way we pursue God. That's actually the opposite of pursuing God. But I would propose to you today, and what I have found is it's not because people don't want God. I have found that most people, they want God. They want something good. They want to serve a God that is good. And they want to believe in their heart that God is good. The reality is they don't know how to get there. Somewhere along the line, they said yes. And they faced disappointment. They faced discouragement. They faced all of the things. And the answer that I want to, question that I want to answer today is, how do we get through seasons of discouragement and disappointment? How many of you are interested in that? I am. Man, I'm so tired of just going through and I'm not saying, listen, I, this is what I, I don't want to preface this. I'm not saying that just because you hear a message from Dio, you're never going to hit discouragement again. The point is when you get to the place of discouragement that you would have some tools to navigate through that season. So I want to take us to Psalm 95. And I want to read the whole thing because the Bible is good. Say, the Bible is good. The Bible is good. We're going to baptize some people and it's going to be wonderful. It's about 20 people. But I just want to lay, lay some foundation for even as we baptize those, what you're being baptized into and out of. Amen? Yeah. Psalm 95.1. Oh, come, let us say us. Yeah. Oh, come, let us sing joyfully to the Lord and let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with a, with a song of thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with songs. This is not just what Tyler tried to model with us about 15 minutes ago. The reason he was pushing you and pushing you and they kept going is because there's something about the believer that collides with the knowledge of God that demands a response. I have found that every new season demands a new song which makes the season known. Let me say it again. Every new season demands a new song. Why? Because that song makes the new season known. It's proven that even as the people of Israel were delivered out of Egypt... What was the first thing they did? 
They sang a song of deliverance. What was happening? They were proclaiming with their words the reality of what they were now living. I was in one place, but now I'm in another. Come on. I just want to prophesy that I believe in this season, God is restoring your song. It's not just words. I'm telling you. Some of you, you have lost your song. I'm not talking about a melody or whether you sing good or in the right key. I'm saying that inward thing that bubbles up out of you where you have felt choked by Jezebel and every other thing, God is he's loosing the grips of the enemy and he is restoring your song. We have been talking about this, man. We have such a conviction. God is releasing a new song. I love Maverick City. I, all of that. All good. Whatever. But what is your song? I want to hear your song of deliverance. I want to hear God's praises on your lips. Who he is to you and why you sing it with that kind of conviction. I've just, I'm telling you, the church has lost its song. We sing everybody else's song. How many of you know those songs only have power because mostly the ones that really do have power were written in a place of encounter. The reason there's any oil on that song is because they wrote it in a time of crushing. And I'm telling you, the Lord is restoring your song. So the psalmist is saying to us here, oh, come, let us, not me. He's not saying, oh, come, listen to David's song. Oh, come, let us. In the company of the fellowship of the spiritual family, let us joyfully sing to the Lord. Which if God is calling you to do something, I want to remind you, he has given you the ability to do it. If he's inviting you to sing with joy, meaning he will, not he might, he will deposit in you the ability to experience joy and release it. Man, I feel that. That's verse 1. Oh, come, let us come sing joyfully with the Lord. Let us come before his presence with a song of thanksgiving. And let us shout joyfully. Why? <laughs> That's the question. Why should we come and shout and sing and express joy? This is why. For the Lord is great. That's a, that could have a period. You, we should not have to explain why God is great. For the Lord is great. He is a great God and a great king above all gods in whose hands are the depths of the earth, the peaks of the mountains are his also. What is he saying? God, he is Lord above all things. This is why in the midst of difficulty and turbulence and pressures and persecution and accusations, we could set our eyes up. I believe this is the fundamental problem with the church right now. We're too busy looking down instead of getting our eyes up. That which you gaze on, you begin to behold, you become. It's like time for the church to get around. I don't know what situation you're going through. I'm not minimizing your situation. What I'm saying is, listen, you have to get your eyes up above the noise, above the distraction, above the chaos, above, above the offense. And you have to say, God, I need proper perspective for what you're doing on the earth and in my family and in my life. This is why... Moses would say in Exodus 15, the Lord is my strength and my song. Did you hear that? Yes. The Lord is my strength and my song. This word song, most, most scholars would believe it would mean, the, it could be also rendered as power. That there would be something as I would release a sound that would also release power. The Lord is my strength and in my song there is power. It could also be translated in that way. Which is why sometimes I can't understand why we get in environments and people withhold from God. 
Today when we were singing that song, that wasn't even planned. When I think about the Lord, how he saved me, how he, oh, I just began to weep. I just, I just felt like God came into the room and there was such a grace to remember all of those times where we began to build history with God. Where we moved from a knowledge of what he was to a knowing in our heart because we experienced it. We talk about this all the time, but man, there's a difference between knowing God as healer and experiencing him as healer. The Bible says this, that the people of Israel, they were acquainted with the acts of God, but Moses knew his ways. That would equate with like this. Man, I know God heals, but also I know he is healer. I've seen God provide, but also I know God is Jehovah Jireh provider. I know that God makes way, but no, no, no. I'm talking about in my life, he made way for me. Y'all ain't trying to hear this. I get it. But about week two of the fast, you're going to be like, bro, why do I feel the way I feel? And God is laying foundation now to be able to walk with stability for the Lord is great and he is above every God. Therefore, this is why I respond with shouts of joy, with thanksgiving. I encourage myself in the Lord. I wonder what it looked like for David to encourage himself in the Lord. I believe primarily it would have looked like him pulling on his history with the Lord on all of the things that he had done, on all of the things he had seen when he stood before a giant and he didn't know how it was going to happen, but there was a confidence. All throughout the Bible, we sang it today, you're the fourth man in the fire. I don't know what it was like for those three men walking in the fire, but I'm not sure they had the assurance the fourth one was going to be in there. This is why they made the statement, even if he doesn't, we're never going to bow. Because they always knew there was the reality that they were going to step into something and there would be no deliverance. Yet, even still, God, you have my yes. Where are the God even still you have my yes people? Come on, we've been conditioned to serve God only in times when things feel good. You see people from months to months, what happened? Well, bro, I just had a hard time. I'm like, you had a hard time and, and you thought that the best response would be to disengage from the family? Wait, 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 everything was falling apart and you thought the best thing to do was to stay home? So wait, so you only come to church when you feel good? That's like only going to the hospital when you're healthy. You walk to you, what are you doing here? I don't know, man, I just, I'm, I feel great. Like, what are you doing here? Then why are you here? I'm not saying don't come to church when you feel good. I said, no, nobody will show up next week. What I'm saying is, it's in these moments where we make a decision for Lord, you are great and you are God above all. And in your hand, you hold the depths of the sea and the mountains. You, you are God. So like, I'm not gonna allow my temporary circumstance to create an ideology of who you are that is incorrect. In moments where I don't feel like worshiping, I'm gonna get caught up in Tyler's worship as he's pouring it out. And I'm gonna let his reaching for God minister to my heart. <sighs> Let's move on, because I got like four more, <laughs> got a lot more scriptures. For the Lord is great and king above all the peaks. The seas, it, the sea is his, for he made it by his command. And his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. I love the humility there. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, in reverence, praise, and prayer. Verse 7. For he, say he, he. is our, say our. our. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture. 
and the sheep of his hand. Oh, so powerful. I'm going to read it again. You need to let this strike your soul. For he is our God, and we are his sheep. The people of his pasture. It's, how, many of you, how many of you, you can be confident because it's all his. He is in control. We are his sheep of his hand. And today, say today. Oh, such a good word for you today. And today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Ah. Yeah. Oh. Today, the Bible says this, my sheep, they hear my voice, and another voice they do not follow. Meaning God is giving you the ability to hear him. He says, today, if you will hear my voice, do not harden your hearts and become spiritually dull. And then he gives reference all the way back to Exodus. He says, as they did in Meribah, which is the place of strife, and as in Massa, the place of testing in the wilderness. So I want to pause for just a moment. So we are the sheep of his pasture, and he is the shepherd, and it is his field. He says, in this place, don't allow your heart to become hardened. Then he's like, and here's how they become hardened. Your heart has the greatest tendency to become hardened in the place of strife and in the place of testing. Think about this for just a moment. Your heart just doesn't become hard because it becomes hard. In the place of strife, how do you define strife? Strife is that place of tension. It's a place of arguing. It's a place of disagreement. What's in me doesn't agree with that. How many of you know when my spirit doesn't agree with the Bible, the Bible wins? When there's something being declared out of the worship team that is from heaven, if my spirit has issue with it, my spirit is the issue. Therefore, God, by his grace, is providing entryway for my spirit to engage in a proper narrative. But the place of strife, if you give your heart to the place of contention, of agitation, Jesus would have said this to the disciples. Hey, listen, don't let your heart become troubled. They were about to walk into a very troubling situation. That word trouble is inward commotion, agitated, strife. He's saying, as you walk through seasons of strife, don't let your heart become troubled, agitated, that inward commotion, because the fruit of that is this, your heart will become hardened. Now, again, he's putting this in the context of the people of Israel. How many of you know when God delivered those people, he was leading them somewhere? The destination for those 1.5, whatever billion people was not 40 years in the wilderness. It was not wandering. What caused them to step into seasons of wandering was a hardness of heart. And I want to ask you today, is your heart tender? Answer the question why we disengage. Listen, worship is not for worshipers. There aren't people who worship and people who just stand and worship. We are worshipers. In heaven forevermore, you're going to be worshiping. I don't know what you would think it's going to be. It's not going to be golf. It's like, it, what do you think is going to happen? God is conditioning us now for what's happening up there. And what's happening up there is all wonder, worship, reverence. It's beautiful, but we get to experience that now. 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 And God is trying to break that hardness of heart that has been callous due to situations that have been agitating and painful. But how many of you know God has come to give life? 
It's not just enough to identify what is. You have to know what is available to you. That by the Holy Spirit, God is tenderizing our hearts. All throughout the Bible, you see this promise, I will take your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh. If that's available to the Old Testament church, how much more today? But not only is it the place of strife, it is the place of testing. I was just talking to our staff about this. The scripture, many are called, but few are chosen. Interesting verse. Many are called, few are chosen, and, and you can go many which ways from that. But I was talking to them about what happens between the calling and the choosing. And I would submit to you that between the calling and the choosing, there is a testing. I don't believe the reason people are or not chosen is because they're, they're not elect. I believe God does have a divine election. Israel is proof of that. But here's what I'm saying. Many people hear the voice of God and they go through a season of testing and they disengage. Therefore, they never make it to the choosing. If you show up in the context of a sporting event, how many of you know you can't be chosen if you don't show up? Like, bro, I'm mad. I didn't show up. I'm, I didn't get picked on my night. You weren't even there. How are you offended about not getting picked? You didn't even show up to like the, the time. Now, how does God test us? I believe God tests us. He tests us in seasons of difficulty. But I also believe we are tested in seasons of good. It's not just seasons of bad. It's also seasons of good. In Mark chapter 4 in the parable of the sower, you see that Jesus is talking about seed being thrown. And he's talking about some seed that doesn't fall on fertile ground, therefore it never produces. How many of you remember this? In Matthew 4. And he says this. Compare the seed which fell on stony ground to the Christians who endure only for a time, meaning they didn't make it all the way through the season of testing. In verse 17, he says this, when tribulation or persecution arose for the word's sake, immediately they stumbled. What is he saying? God is throwing forth seed. Some of you are hearing it right now. But because you can't get your eyes off of the persecution and the pressure, you continue to stumble. Testing. As God is leading us, listen, the Bible's clear, persecution, difficulties will come, but take heart for I have what? Overcome the world. So there are seasons we're going to go through as we're navigating with God that if you're not careful, discouragement, disappointment set in, but hard isn't the end of the road. But also here in verse 19, he says this, but he also compared the seed that fell among thorns to Christians whom the cares of the world the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things are entering in. What happens to these people? I want to read it again. The cares of the world, the, the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things. I don't know what other things are, but I'm sure there are many things. I know Jesus said that Mary chose the one thing, <laughs> meaning there are many things, but she chose the good thing, the good part. But it's interesting because these people who are probably going through good seasons, it doesn't categorize it as pressure. The Bible doesn't say that they stumble. The Bible says this, that because of the cares of the world, the enticement of the lure of wealth and the care for other things, it says that the seed is choked out and the end result is unfruitfulness. Now this for me is way more dangerous because when I stumble and fall, I immediately know it. I'm like, crap, that sucked. I stumbled, I fell, that was rough. But when a plant ceases to grow fruit, it's a much longer process. 
There are, there are trees even outside now that at one season they were producing, but something begins to happen internally, and it could be months before you ever see it externally, which is dangerous. And, and what begins to posture in our hearts, the Bible is very clear. What gets us to a place of unfruitfulness, of discouragement, where the word of the Lord, according to Mark 4, is choked out. I'm going to read it again. The cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, the spirit of mammon, and the desire for other things other than the main thing. I mean, I would submit to you that there are so many people that are walking in discouragement, not because God doesn't have their hand upon them, but because they have given their heart to lesser things. In humble submission to you, we look around the room and we're like, man, I just, well, of course God would touch that person or of course God would do that and that. Even today, some of you are gonna be baptized and well, man, I wish I can get breakthrough like that. It is a season of whosoever would come. Yes. Come. Yes. I wanna continue to just open the door and say to you this morning, like today, today, would you stop allowing strife and seasons of testing to cause you to disengage from God's plans and God's purposes for your life. Discouragement violates the plans and purposes of God. It's like a veil before your face. You can hear the word, you can see measures of breakthrough, but you can never give your heart fully because you have stopped trusting in God as Father. Is this, am I making sense to anyone? I want to speak at a heart level because I can't, I can't make it all about let's go take the mountain if the people who were saying go take the mountain to are wounded at heart. And I feel the mercy and the tenderness of God. Me and Greg were just talking about this. So many people who have dreams in their heart even to start businesses, but they never do because they're discouraged. They've gone through one or two seasons. I'm not just talking about spiritually. I'm talking about your life. How many of you know there's divine businesses and marketplace ideas in people in this room? In this room. It's not just all about, listen, God wants to occupy all spaces. But this seed of disappointment and discouragement has caused you to stop dreaming. It has caused you to stop singing your song. So let's just end Matthew 95, when your fathers tested me, they tried me, even though they had seen my work of miracles. What is he saying, man? He's saying, even though they saw my ways, they still had a hard question, is God able? For 40 years, I was grieved and disgusted with that generation. That's strong language. <laughs> and I said, they are a people who err in their heart. What an interesting category is it? Like how he, their heart is going another way. They do not acknowledge or regard my ways. Therefore, I swore an oath in my wrath. They absolutely shall not enter into my, shall not enter into my rest. And then Hebrews 4 would revisit this conversation where they're saying, hey, listen, there is a place of rest available for God's people. The people of Israel could not get in. And why couldn't they get in? He's revisiting this. The reason they couldn't get in is because their hearts are hard. I just wonder how many of us are standing on the outside of promise because our hearts have become hardened. 
Bro, it's pride. Your inability to just walk the aisle to come to the altar is pride. We see it all the time. Sometimes the people who need it the most are the first ones out the door. And nobody's going to leave today. I'm not leaving. Who's going to leave first? I'm not saying that, man. Stop. See who's the first one to go. I'm just saying, as, as a pastor, it's heartbreaking because we as, as, as a spiritual family are contending for your greatness. Sometimes people have ideas of what they think church is about. We're not here to try to build a church. If there was 10 of you, I'd still be preaching the same way. The 10 that were here know it's true. Five, seven years ago, we came, there was 10. It, they were getting the same, the same screaming, the same energy. Because it's not about how many people in the room were contending for divine destiny over a spiritual family. I'm asking you, what does that look like for you? Come on, man. It's time for you to stop looking back at other seasons as that was the season when I was burning for God. That was the season when I was on fire, but that was a season. Listen, God speaks about seasons, but I believe that from season to season, you're supposed to go deeper and deeper with God. Doesn't look like one season of you burning with God and one season, I believe that God has that available for you today. Say today. Really quick, what are temptations that come from discouragement? Here's temptation number one. The temptation to think that the fulfillment of your desire will be enough. I would say it this way. If I can just get that car, if I could just get that title, if I could just get that house, if I could just fill in the blank, the temptation from discouragement would be that you would begin to think that somehow that would equal this. Listen, what's available for you is fullness of joy. Not partial joy, not fullness of joy. That thing is never going to satisfy. The temptation is for you to think that, 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 that those places, those people, those things are going to fill that. It never will. In all love and humility, it never will. Number two, I just want to give you some practical. The temptation to doubt God's promises. Some of you, it is time to go revisit and dust off the journal. Over these 21 days, if nothing else happens, revisit and dust off the journal. Open up the note on your iPhone you haven't opened up in three years. I don't know what it is. I'm telling you, just in, don't disengage from God's promises. They are alive. That's the main thing I felt on Monday night. God was speaking to me. There is divine promise that all of the earth is waiting for that is coming through you. There is a song that only you can sing, a message that only you can preach. The worst thing we've ever done is make it about ministers and lay it like people. We are ministers and kings and priests. Oh man, should I just stop? We don't want to stop trusting God's promises. And number three, we don't want to stop doubting God's plan. You know that God has a plan when you're engaged with his plan. <laughs> when you have aligned your way to his way, which the Bible is clear, there is a way. There's not many ways. And the way, as a matter of fact, the Bible says is narrow. It's not a broad way. Like when you know, when you're going the same way as everybody else, you got to start pump, pump the brakes. When everything, pump the brakes. When everybody's going, well, you're like, well, this feels easy. Pump the brakes. Because there's a way where everybody's going and the Bible says it leads to destruction. 
<laughs> Very little yes, yeah. I'm serious about this. We're so worried about fitting in, we're like herd going the same direction to a slaughter. We've got to engage with God's plans, with God's purposes for our family. And I shared a picture of Judah reading his Bible. It got so many shares. It wasn't because I sat down and said, Judah, if you're going to watch TV today, you better get in this thing, bro. Like, he, he's just seen his parents reaching for God. When we lived in a trailer, he would peek through the living room window and see me in there in the morning. Like for some of us, man, we've got to align ourselves around God's plan and purpose and let our kids see this. Man, if your plan is for Chris and Gloria to disciple your kids, you've got another thing coming. If that's your plan for discipleship for your kids, wow. I'm telling you, it's time for us to engage. We're not shoving anything down our kids' throat. We're not condemning or shaming them. We're inviting them to the best storyline there ever is. It's God's. Uh, I just, could I just share three things, three more things? They'll be very quick. What can we do in the midst of temptation? Because I want to give you practicals, right? We talked about what can happen. We can disengage from his plan. We can stop trusting his word. We can begin to create an idea. But how do we engage with God's plans? How do we overcome? The Bible says this, we were made overcomers by the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. Did you hear me? We are made overcomers by the blood of the lamb because of what Christ did, not because of what you did, how awesome you are, all your self-help books. It's good. Do it. Oh, yes. We are made overcomers by the blood of Jesus and the word of what he's done. What he's done gives us confidence to step into what he is doing. Hello. So what do we do? We set our hearts on his character. Man, if you will take 21 days to answer the question, who is God, it will change your life. Now, what can God do for me? How do I engage? Who is God? The character of God. God as healer, God as provider, God as strong tower, God as refuge, God as holy, God as shepherd. Are you you hearing me? We set our hearts on this, which means you're going to have to like disengage your heart from other things. Some of you, man, the most powerful thing you can do is just turn off the news for 21 days. Revolutionize your life. God's speaking to me about who the next president is. That's great. What's God speaking about your kids? It's great. All right, I'll move on. I digress. Number two, we set our hearts on his character, but also we set our hearts on his ways. Because when God begins to speak to us about who he is, the the next natural thing is how he does things. How many of you know God, listen, many of you are just on, like, on the brink of breakthrough. You see, like, there's very little faith in the room. You're like, I just can't go on. I'm telling you, you're, like, right here. You're, like, right on the brink. I had this vision in prayer uh, maybe Thursday morning of these people coming out of the wilderness. Like, there was this company of people coming out of this wooded area, and, and they were bloodied. It's like they had gone through war but there was a vibrancy about them. They had come out of the wilderness and now they were carrying something afresh. (laughs) It's like, I'm telling you, that silencing and all of the things you have gone through, it's for a purpose. Like it's producing something in you and many, much of what it's producing is the ways of God. The Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, is not just good language, it is a lifestyle of the believer. It is God's ways. We set our hearts on his character, who God is, and we also set it on his ways. 
Here's the last thing I'll talk about. We set our heart on what he has said on his word. The word of the Lord sets the plumb line. We talk about this all the time. The word of the Lord sets the plumb line. Therefore, every other thing becomes irrelevant. I'll just give you an example. Many of you know, you may have read about my wife and, and Psalm who's coming and all of the things. It's been warfare on my wife's body, on her health. And as we've been journeying with doctors, um, blood tests, all of the things, and then all of a sudden we were praying, her iron was really low, she was tired, and all of a sudden we got a report back and they're like, well, the report came back, you have lupus. And I'm like, no. Why, why can we say no with confidence? Because our heart is steadfast on his word. We know, his, we know who he is. We know his ways and we're standing on his word. Like, so God has already spoken to me about Psalm. I have no fear about Psalm and how Psalm is going to come out. But a people who don't know who God is and his ways and his word, they become unstable. Like, man, how, how do you feel about that? I feel nothing about it because I know who God is. She said it. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah we're just not going to receive that. It doesn't mean that we're not, we're ignorant. We're not ignorant, right? We're, it's not like we, we're not in denial. It's that we are aware of the greater power and the greater principality of the air. This is super practical. It's not minimizing lupus. I'm just, we just know. Man, you've got to get a strong no. Some of you have just been allowing things to happen. When you know who God is and who you are in light of who God is, you'll be, no. We just don't receive it. We stand on God's promises, on God's word. I'm not shaken. I'm not like, let's pray, let's contend. No. We pray, we contend. I'm saying, we know who God is. Therefore, we walk with confidence in his plans and purposes. And all of this is just beautiful and it makes sense just to tie a bow on it. Because, and I, I feel like we have to talk about this over the next 21 days. Jesus says this. He says, man, it's good for you that I leave because when I leave, I'm sending one the great comforter and the Holy Spirit. The church talks a lot about Jesus and even it's gotten really good about talking about even God as Father, but we talk very little about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit empowers us to walk. I believe the Holy Spirit is the one who holds the door out of disappointment. If you're in that room that's dark, I believe the Holy Spirit's the one that's like, hey, here's your way. Introducing you to the person of Jesus and breaking in with power. So I want to pray for us really quick. We're about to baptize some people, but before we do, I want to pray for us in our hearts this morning. I have no pressure. The Bible is so clear that unless the Holy Spirit draws someone, that it's just all in vain. So what I'm going to pray for here is only you would know what's happening with your heart. Only you would know the condition of your heart. It's only you. Nobody, like... Whether you posture, don't posture, pretend, don't only you know. But, but what I do know is that God has opened up the door today for you to step out of that cave. To come out of agreement with agreements you made in places of testing and strife. And to be able to come into partnership with the Holy Spirit so that your heart can become soft again. So I want to pray for us. I just want us to just still ourselves for just a moment. 
We just want to invite the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the best minister. The best minister. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this space right now. You are here. I'm asking you for an increased awareness. And I'm asking you to just give courage in this moment. Courage to be real. Courage to be honest. Courage to step out of the wilderness and into promise. I'm asking for those that feel heaviness of soul and discouragement due to disappointment that you would speak to them and you would say, hey, I'm ready to touch that. Would you let me have it? Bible says when you don't don't know what to do but stand therefore stand it's talking about the whole armor of God it's beautiful promise that God gives us but but I just even feel today just even as an act of like man I'm coming out of that moment I don't know what to do but stand I, I say to you therefore just stand So if you're in the room and, and you're dealing with discouragement, disappointment, I just want to say, shame off of you. We celebrate your courage in this moment. But I believe that even as a prophetic act, physically saying, yeah, I'm coming out of that, I'm just going to ask you to just stand right where you are, and we're going to pray over you. Yeah, it's beautiful. All over the room, we're just going to pray. It's just good. As a spiritual family, before we baptize... Can I just get my shepherds and some of my leaders to just come around? We're going to pray here as a spiritual family for a moment. Everybody with somebody, please. We want to take a moment here. Just, all roads have led to here. you with God sees you and God hears you and you are loved ah, I just I feel the tenderness of God his love and his mercy so father in Jesus name we just speak encouragement to every heart that has been weary and tired we just breathe you in we breathe you in, we breathe you in that every bit of negativity and fear and hopelessness would go right now in Jesus' name. It doesn't have to be loud for it to be real. 
we pray for every soul that encouragement would come and that every doubt would be uprooted. We give you access to our hearts, to our minds. Yeah, just really quick, just for a moment, just you engage with God. God, we, we come out of agreement with the negativity. Father, even our words, help us to keep our words to speak life. We ask you for renewed vision. I just feel like the Lord wants to renew vision for a good future. You've just felt stuck. And like, man, it's all falling apart. I just feel like the Lord wants to restore vision for a future. Would you dream again? We invite you, Holy Spirit, to minister to our souls. You're the healer and the restorer and the renewer. We want to come back into agreement with all of who you are, even now. Would you bring to our mind your character and your nature? Would you wash over us? Holy, holy, we pray for a song to be restored. We pray for marriages where you feel tired and hopeless. We speak life, a renewed love and honor. God if you're standing I would just encourage you to just pray that man it's not a condescending God would you break off the hardness in any area in any place Stage. We're just going to pray for you. 
and we're gonna ask everybody to just stretch their hands. There may be those of you in the room that you need to get baptized. Maybe you didn't sign the form. We just wanna make it available. For those of you that are, just come on the stage. We're gonna have our staff and our team just pray right now. You guys can just come right up. This is good. I know it's weird, I know. I think there's like 20 of you guys. our staff to just come. I, can we just, I just love the way our sanctuary is set up. Would you just stretch your hands? We just want to pray that this would be a moment, a moment of freedom and breakthrough, a moment of restoration, of joy, of peace, of impartation, a stepping out of the old and into the new. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray, God, that you would wash away every bit of the old season, God, and that you would impart something fresh in hearts this morning. We thank you for your leadership. We thank you for your leadership that is pure. It is holy. We're asking you in this moment that the reality of the scriptures would become alive. That you would wash away, you would impart, and you would give great hope. off and that this declaration would go all the way never to go back never to look another way but that they would remain solidified in the walk we bless you we bless you hey listen we're going to start baptizing if you have to go we love you I, I just ask if you're staying if you could just remain in the place of prayer I just want to say one more time, if there are those of you that are in the room that today you're like, I need to wash that off. While the, while the waters are here, we just encourage you to come. We'll stay and we'll baptize until it takes. I don't got a meeting till 4.30. We will stay. But, but, I, but I'm just saying, don't leave with that thing on you. Amen? And we love you. Let's continue to pray and celebrate as these get baptized. Hey, you guys can just begin to make lines. We're going to baptize at both tanks. Just go ahead and line up and we're going to pray. We're going to take our time, prophesy, and baptize.